Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with Mark Rosewell. He is a manager at a jewelry store. It's a different way of looking at sales, right? You're helping people get that that joy, that love. You know, if you give a gift to the right person, mm-hmm. there's also romance there. Mm-hmm. True, very true. Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Because I want to look at sales through different lenses because sometimes you get insights that help us uh, figure out what's going on in our sales lives through mm-hmm. kind of your eyes. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming in today. And I want to take you back in history. The date was April 7th, 1979. You were a roofer. You were in Texas. And it was freaking hot. Tell us that story. Yeah, that's all true. I was actually a, a, a welder. And then I also built roof trusses. Mm-hmm. And so we were installing trusses on the roof of the First Baptist Church in Mahia, Texas. It was April 7th, and it was already about 106 degrees. I remember that temperature. And Texas summers are notoriously long and notoriously hot. And I thought, surely there must be something I can do where I can work inside and wear my suit. And so I thought, well, tomorrow I will go and apply at all of the different jewelry stores in the mall there in Waco. There's only one. And if I don't get hired there, then the next day I'll go and try and be hired at one of the banks. And so the third jewelry store that I went to hired me, and I was on my way. So you started uh, becoming a salesperson, and uh, they probably paid you a huge hourly salary. Oh, yes. It was $2.90 an hour, and there would be commission. And the way they sold it to me was they said, but you are going to be able to work uh, you know, 52, well, 48 hours a week, but we'll pay you for 52. Nice. So yeah, it was good, right? And back then we had blue laws, so we were closed on Sundays, which made my mom happy. I still was able to go to church. And my hands were like catcher's mitts, Umar. They right. were just rough, right? So my first job in the jewelry store was to get my hands into a condition where I could show jewelry and be presentable and shake hands with people. Right. So for the first several months... I just wrapped packages. I worked in the back of the house. Uh, and every couple of days, the manager would come up and say, let me feel your hands. And if they were still too calloused, I wasn't ready to go yet. So after several months of doing that, I finally was able to get out on the floor and start selling jewelry. Who's your first customer? My first customer was a gentleman who, well, it's not really true. Yeah. My first uh, encounter that I thought would be my first customer was a gentleman who came in. He was looking for a watch. And it was about $300. And he told me that he would be back. And I was so new to sales that I believed that. <laughs> yeah. And the older manager, well, the associates in the store said, you know what would really impress him would be if you would get the box for that watch and you would gift wrap it and put it in the bag and stand out in front of the store and wait for him to come back by. That will really impress him because he won't be wasting time. And after, you know, several hours went by, and I, I would look in the store and say, I hope nothing happened to him. He said he would be right back. <laughs> <laughs> what a great lesson. Never came. Yeah. And the manager knew it, obviously, but it was like an object lesson that oh, yeah. was very Yoda of him. <laughs> 
So now well, tell us where you are now. We're sitting in the offices at? Uh, this is Smythe Jewelers in Timonium, Maryland. We're one of the largest jewelers in the United States. We're probably the largest jeweler on the East Coast of the United States. And we're the size of the store? Owned. This store that we're in right now is 51,000 square feet. It has an 18,000 square foot sales floor. And then we also have two other stores, and those are the stores that I primarily work with. And so one of those stores is about 8,000 square feet, and the other store is about 4,500 square feet. Those stores are in Turf Valley, Ellicott City, and then the other one is in the Annapolis Town Center down in Annapolis. And we're fortunate most of the people that staff those stores have spent time in this store. Um, So we have a, a process that we go through that kind of tries to get everybody on the same page and you get the same level of service even though the stores are smaller in either of those stores that you would in this store. You have many million dollar producers a year that work so can you highlight two of them that may have different personalities but still get the job done so you don't have to name names okay but just for us to get a sense of you know what kind of dedication what kind of personalities produce and that they can be different as well. Sure yeah so um, we have Every personality type you can have. At Smythe, I've always said this is more like a theater troupe than a retail store. Right. You know, all we need are jugglers and unicyclists, and we could even have a circus here if we wanted to. And so one of the associates is very nurturing, very mom-like, very much um, able to take a a true interest, really relationship selling. Mm -hmm. That's my tendency. I like to do that as well. But she's very good at at, – bringing people in and getting them in the moment of their engagement or their wedding and what's going to happen. And she's gone to many engagement parties. She's attended several weddings, and she's been in the industry. She had her own store for about 18 years prior to coming here, and she uh, she's amazing. And and she also happens to be my wife. So, nice. So that's pretty good, too. Unfortunate uh, woman. Yeah. Well, there you are. <laughs> yeah, we, she can't always hit a home run. <laughs> yeah. And then one of the other ones um, is much more technically oriented, and that appeals to a certain customer as well. So we have a lot of clients that will come in that are like engineering. Right. And they're not interested in warm fuzzies. They're not interested in the emotional Just moment. Just facts, ma'am. Exactly. Joe right. When they find a diamond that meets their specific needs to the equation and the metallurgy and everything that goes along with it, they'll go ahead and make a purchase. I think one of the things we do here is we try and match the customer to the associate. So we have people at the front of the store. In fact, you mentioned that you were greeted upon coming in. What was the name of the young lady? The young lady that was out there was uh, Mackenzie. And she's, um, we have a couple of them, Aaron or Mackenzie. Well, I'm not sure which one I think one it was Mackenzie, and it was just a really warm welcome to the store. And it was noteworthy because as soon as I met you, I said, oh, she's amazing. Yeah, exactly right. You brought her up to me. And so we try and do that. We'll offer a beverage. We make cookies every day. We do that just to try and welcome people in, kind of like you'd welcome them into your house. And then in that brief conversation, they can sort of assess maybe who they have a little bit, right. who they're going to match you up with initially. And then we proceed from there. In the typical sales kind of organization, it's getting the appointment it's uh, doing the presentation, handling objections, closing the sale, and then deepening into the account so you can sell them more jewelry or get referrals that will allow you to sell jewelry to their friends and family. So how does that work here in the jewelry business? What does that process look well, like? I think jewelry is the only thing I've ever done other than roofing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, not as much. But, but my experience has been is that um, before anybody's going to buy anything from you, they have to believe you. They have to trust you. There has to be a rapport that comes from that. Jewelry is a very emotional purchase. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always say that the true value of a piece of jewelry is what it means to the person who gets it. That's right. really it. Whether it's $10, $15, $100,000, dollars and we have all of that. So we can provide anything anybody's looking for. So the first thing we have to do 
is is help them lower their guard. I think people don't like to be sold things. They right. don't. And and they're going to be much more receptive if they feel warm and welcome. And, and trust. And even the engineers, if mm-hmm. they feel that you're competent and what you're saying to them is correct, they're going to lower their defenses a little bit. So sometimes we'll use language like, you know, Omar, I work for Smythe Jewelers, but today I work for you. And the more I know about who you're shopping for and what you're trying to say, the more help I can be to you. So let's just have a conversation. And you tell me, you know, tell me about the person. Tell me about what we're doing. Tell me what matters to you. And let's backtrack a bit. You used a very curious phrase. What are you trying to say? Because we're trying to say something with that gift. Yeah, yeah. Do people understand what you're saying, what you're trying to say? So we use a process here to try and help keep the sales uh, mentality in front of people before mm-hmm. you begin making a product presentation. And we call it grows. And so the first thing is get on a first-name basis with your customer. G, yeah. Yeah. Next one is what's the name of the recipient? So mm-hmm. that's the R. Then what's the occasion? And then what's the when? You know, when is the occasion? Because we need to know, do we have to get this engraved? Are we going to have to make this? How much time do we have? Mm-hmm. Many people come in and oh, they shop like I do. They shop the day of the event, right? And then the last one is what do you want the gift to say? And the hardest thing for us in teaching the process is to get newer salespeople to wait for that. Because many mm-hmm. times, everyone has something they want to say to someone when mm-hmm. they get them a piece of jewelry. They may not even know themselves what that is. In fact, when they get the right piece of jewelry, it's going to help them say in a minute what it might take them years to put into words. It really Absolutely. could, right? And so they have to process that. They have to work through that. I've been interested in following some of your work. We have some similarities in some of the things we do. And so through that process... When you get their name, when you get the recipient's name, when you find out what the occasion is, those are all familiar things to the customer. If you can get them to picture those things, Mm -hmm. that's non-threatening. Buying a piece of jewelry can be scary, but celebrating your wife's birthday with your friends out for dinner, they can see that in their mind. And now you can find a piece that's going to help them in that moment. And that's really what we're talking about. Fantasy books, uh, they have this thing called a talisman where people can go to scary places. But as long as they've got the talisman, they feel safe. And what you're doing is by building that rapport is taking the fear out of the the thing because a lot of times jewelry is is a mystery, right? Like if I'm buying a Lexus, whatever, I know what it is. But when you're buying jewelry, it's like, you know, is it worth what it's worth? Will she like it? Will he like it? And all that stuff. So once you have a customer, your top performers, how do they build that relationship so it becomes a lifetime customer? Well, you may have noticed when we were on our way walking back to the room we're in now, Mm -hmm. we went by several small rooms, small booths out there. And perhaps you noticed, I always notice when I walk through, that some of them will have, you know, shamrocks or tinsel or decorations. Mm -hmm. Or one of them will have donuts or lights or different signs or pictures or postcards. And that's strategic in a way. I mean, that's a a definite um, statement that they make about themselves, their Mm -hmm. personalities, and what happens. And generally speaking, many of them have candy in a dish or something on their desk. Generally speaking, that's all there to establish that, to put people at ease. One of our greatest sales associates was showing a diamond to a a woman and her son for his future fiancé. And... They were here around lunchtime, and it had been a long process. They looked at several different mm-hmm. things. And the sales associate said, you know what? I'm hungry. Why don't we order a pizza? That's very unusual in a jewelry store or oh, any yeah. store, right? So they chose what they wanted on their pizza. They ordered a pizza. They were able to go ahead and continue the process. They had lunch in that booth. And 
they were able to find something that's perfect thoughtful. for her. Yeah, nice. right. And so that's part of the fun. And that's one of the things that's really great about Smythe as well, is that you're pretty much able to do whatever you would like to. In many selling organizations, I think associates know what they'd like to do. But for whatever reason, be it a corporate line or a management line, they're, they're hindered from being everything they possibly could be. And that's what's nice about here. You're not. So I heard this story maybe about eight years ago, but I still remember it. We were having uh, lunch at this restaurant, meeting someone new. My wife was there, I was there, and this person is a nice meeting. And the wait staff was so amazing that I made a comment to the manager. I said, you know, hey, the quality of service is like outstanding. He says, yeah, just last week, see that waiter over there? His name's John, and he has a regular couple that come. It's uh, a mother and a daughter. The daughter brings the mother in because she's kind of getting older every Wednesday for lunch. And while they were chatting two weeks ago, the daughter was telling the mom, you know, I'm going to be out of town and you're going to miss uh, you know, next week's appointment. So the waiter said, uh, no, you're not. And the waiter took time off his shift, went to get the mom, bring her to the restaurant. The management allowed it. And that's like ultimate customer service. Isn't that fantastic? And it wasn't that even for amazing. me. And it was just that story I still remember. So That is amazing. That's really good. Isn't yeah. it? And, and that makes you know you're in the right place, either as a customer or as an associate. We often hear people say, I could work anywhere I want to, but I want to work here. It's all about culture. Yeah. So tell me about culture, because you've got people. You mentioned uh, this woman uh, who worked in another jewelry store, had her own for a while. Yeah. So when you bring different people in, how do you indoctrinate them in the best sense of the word, because it sounds like very not so good, uh, into the, the Smythe way? What is the Smythe way, and how do you get people to really believe it? So it's not just uh, going through the motions, but it's actual living it, breathing it. A lot of it begins with the selection. Mm-hmm. We take a lot of time getting to know the people that are going to come to work for us. Right. Several interviews that we go through, and we want to make sure that we're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for us. And we have interview guides that we follow, and we'll write down kind of the answers we get to things, and we may circle back and question those again. And we don't always hit it right, but most of the time when we bring someone in, one of the questions we ask is, there are a lot of things that motivate people. Too many to be asked in one question, but we're going to. Mm-hmm. If you could... Uh, rate these in the manner of importance to you. Recognition, advancement, money, and quality of life. Tell me about each of those and what those mean to you. It used to be when I was first asking that question decades ago, mm-hmm. as long as money or advancement or recognition. Uh, if you had somebody who was my age or your age or right. a little older, they might say quality of life. Almost unfailingly now, quality of life comes up. And that can mean different things to different people. Yeah. So we expand that out a little bit too. Nice. But it's uh, really hypocritical if you are in a business that's engaged in helping people celebrate their most important occasions with their families, and then you don't take notice of the importance of the families and the life occasions these people have. So when we find that fit, that takes you a long, long way already into establishing them in our culture. We always say you cannot teach personality. You can't really teach Mm -hmm. character. You can teach techniques, and you can teach product. And I think the, the way to teach the other stuff is very much, uh, that's why I think stories are so important, that when one of our employees does something notable, that we capture that story. Exactly. Because when we talk about the principle, customer service is really important, and uh, most people are like, okay, customer service is really important. Let me tell you about Judy. This happened a year ago, 
and you tell that story and all, all of a sudden people go, oh, I get what that means. Mm-hmm. Just like when you were talking about quality of life, what does that mean to people that we need to dig deeper? And this allows us to share this is what great service looks like. And, you know, I remember Stanley Marcus wrote um, in his book Quest for the Best. Mm-hmm. When business is good, no employee is as good as they think they are. When business is bad, no employee is as bad as management thinks they are. Right. And so we're going to have good times and bad times. But if you establish a high level of trust, you'll get through all those times together. So we've had associates that have had personal tragedies and things that have have involved being away from our business for a period of time, being away from work. But what I can say is when you do the right thing for the people that work with you and work for you, that comes back to you time and again. Also, I think sometimes what's happened in retail in general is Mm -hmm. payroll is such now that it's very difficult to have very good-sized staffs. Training is expensive whether you do it or not. Yes. And if you only have two, three, two coverage, two people opening, three in the middle of the day so somebody can run to the bank, and two closing, it's very difficult to have meaningful customer interactions or associate interactions. So sometimes you have to overspend, I guess would be the term for it, just to have enough people present to be able to make it a nice experience. Yeah, yeah. Mark, one of your children was coming into sales, maybe the jewelry business. What would be the advice you would give to get them uh, to kind of understand it better and be successful at it? I think the first thing that people have to learn how to do is listen. And not just listen, but really hear what mm-hmm. someone else is saying. I've been fortunate. We have lots of kids. And I've been fortunate that they have all uh, sort of found their way, what they'd like to do, what they nice. want to do. And a couple of them have worked through here in brief periods of time. They've come through here and worked. And I have one now that's 12. And he works on special events and does different things, and he enjoys that. And even if they don't make a career out of this, the skills that they learn from doing this will always help them. I think everybody sells. And it starts with listening and then finding out what people want or need and then helping them figure out a way to achieve that. And once you got that done, then you can do what you want to. Brilliant. If you were looking into the future and the jewelry business is changing, just like every industry is changing, how are you seeing this transaction uh, happening in the future, let's say 10 years from now? What does the future look like, and how are you preparing your staff to meet the brave new world? I think that retail in general is changing dramatically. Obviously, there's a convenience factor from being able to go online and order things. I think the retailers that are going to survive, the brick-and-mortar retailers that are going to survive, are going to have to offer compelling experiences for the people that come They're going to have to do something different than most of the stores do. And they have to be really consistent. So if you're trying to say to someone, well, if they look at this, they might also enjoy this. Right. Or they might like this service or to take advantage of an appraisal or to take advantage of a repair service. You have to discipline people to mention those things, to make those top of mind. Because the computer does it. The computer doesn't know who you are, but they'll say, if you like this, you might also like this. Right. You'd like to do advanced shipping. You'd like to do other things, other financing. The computer's very consistent with that. See, it's one thing to say we bake fresh cookies, but the day we didn't, or the day someone burned the cookies and we didn't get any other ones out, that ruins it for whoever comes in on that day. We can say anything we want to about our business, but the proof of our business is in our delivery every day with the customer. Right. Thanks so much for sitting down with me. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free 
mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results.